Hello, and welcome to my very first podcast. It is January 5th, 2023, so I think it's still early enough to say Happy New Year. This has been an interesting time, and I'm really excited about the different topics we will discuss on this podcast. And I've decided to lovingly name this series, Whatever I Watch, because given the plethora of media outlets that are available to us through television, radio, social media, there's so many different things that we get to view and see and experience that I find very fascinating to talk about. Now, I will preface this by saying I am by no means an expert on any particular topic. It's really all about thinking and experiencing and reflecting on life and the experiences that I go through, the experiences of others, and how we can bring that together to have an honest and transparent dialogue around how we think, how we feel, what we have in common, what we might debate on, but ultimately sharing views and perspectives that allow that open dialogue between humans, which of course is who we are. So the topic of this first podcast is devoted to one of my very favorite topics, which is related to the royal family. And I'm going to title this simply Harry and Meghan. And for those who've known me for a long time, I've been a royalist since I was a teenager. And the my one of my first experiences was really around Princess Diana. Now I was fairly young when uh, she went through her experiences and challenges with the royal family. I don't quite remember when she was married because that was in the 80s and I was still fairly young, but I felt the impression of her death because that was something that was real and experienced globally across the globe. And I have always had an interest in Harry and William and their growth and their challenges. I mean, Harry is, you know, only six or seven years younger than myself. And when you're growing up alongside someone that's within the same generation, you feel a sense of connectivity with that individual. And I would say that it's been fascinating to see them grow up. Now, I will say that I tuned in to the wedding of William and Kate. I thought the wedding was beautiful. And when you are an observer from the United States where we don't have all that pomp and circumstance, it's always very fascinating to see that come to life in the UK, more specifically London. If many of you are like me, huge Disney fans, I loved Cinderella in the story of the rags to riches uh, concept. So that was something that was very whimsical to me. I love the concept of 
prince and princesses. One of my favorite movies growing up was also a movie called Ever After. It was with Drew Barrymore, where it was a a bit of a different tale to the Cinderella, Cinderella story to where she came off as someone that was more empowered than I would say the traditional Disney approach. But being able to see those images really impacted me because I was thinking to myself, wow, I cannot wait to get married. I cannot wait to be able to put on that beautiful dress and for people to admire and see me in my true beauty. And that concept of being a princess was something that, you know, myself and I know many, many other women out there had a bit of a acclamation towards, I would say, because of the the positive image that it projected, that you can find love, that you could find happiness, and it can be a fairy tale. Now, many of us know that uh, truth is stranger than fiction, but I find those types of stories still important today because it gives women something to aspire to. And I grant, again, we understand that you know, women are more than just how we look, more than the princess tale. It's more than just what you see and, and touch and feel that we have depths to us. But certainly as a young child playing with my Barbies, I had that image in my head as far as something that one day I would love to do. Back to Harry and Meghan. I mentioned that I had a little bit of tracking with Harry as a kid given that he was also young and on the forefront in many different ways. Megan was one that I didn't really know until, and I, I speak as if I know her, but I wasn't aware of her as an actress until I started watching the series Suits. And I loved Suits. And mostly not just because of the amazing characters. There was really depth, a lot of depth in the characters. The writers and producers did a really amazing job in creating a storyline that was a little too good to be true in that the main character or one of the main characters, Mike, was someone who kind of fell into this legal profession a little fraudulently but was able to find a place for himself. And obviously obstacles happen, things come across, but he ends up falling in love with Meghan Markle's character, Rachel Zane. I remember when I saw her, I was like, wow, she's really beautiful. And I thought that her acting was amazing. And she just fit in, fit in really well to the complexity of the different characters on that show. I will say that probably as much as I love Meghan Markle, my, one of my favorite characters, you know, beyond the two male leads was Donna, who was this kind of racy, you know, direct executive assistant. And she was the one that really ran the show, you know, and for all intents and purposes. But I really loved that show. And I thought it was um, something that was a really refreshing spin on a legal drama. So when the news broke that you know, Harry and Meghan were dating and then um, ultimately became engaged, I was ecstatic because I thought that the two of them were very like-minded. You know, there's a long history of Harry being very philanthropic 
as far as his causes, especially in Botswana and Africa and South Africa. And it was something that he had picked up from his mother, who was also very passionate in that region of the world. And then Megan had her own history around uh, some of the causes that she was passionate about, um, specifically around gender equality, but certainly had her involvement in the USO, in the United Nations work, and had kind of created a really solid platform for herself, which was, I felt like, evenly matched with what Harry was trying to do. And to have them come together, I thought was amazing. And I think it was when we first heard about it and I got excited about it. You know, I was following all kinds of accounts, trying to keep up with where they were, their news, and, you know, how that was sitting with the royal family. But I do know across the globe, there was a sense of excitement that Harry had found his American princess and Meghan had really found someone that was a match for her intellectually, I'll say. And, you know, even though both have come, they both came from very different worlds, it was an opportunity for them to kind of come together and really align on things that were truly important to them. So that love story of them coming together, getting married, I was up at, I think it was almost like 2, 3 a.m. when the wedding aspects were starting across in London. And uh, I was ready for it. I recorded it. I was good to go. And I was very excited because it was, I would say in a way, my own personal dream coming true, where you're seeing this Black woman, biracial woman, who found her prince and married him and made all of us just very proud, I would say, because in my mind, and I know many of our minds, was this is someone who found a dream that many of us have and was able to pursue it, but then also found her match. And I think that's something we all aspire to is finding someone that is really our match and our true partner to us as we go along our journey because life is hard. (laughs) I know many of you know this. Life is hard. Life is tough. And having someone with you on the journey that gets you and that can support you and can encourage you, but also at the same time, call you out on your BS and, and give you advice and be honest and transparent. That's something I think, I hope that many of us aspire to. Now, it would be disingenuous to not talk about the race issue in that even though the royal family, Great Britain, UK, I'll kind of lump that all together, has a challenging history, very similar to the US, where there was colonization, slavery, discrimination, all of that existed. So that's not something that we hide under the rug and don't acknowledge. And then on top of that, knowing that there's these Commonwealth countries that roll under the reign of the queen and now the king is something that's very real. And I know not enough time in this podcast, there's been a lot of debate and discussion as to what the future of that will look like. I think there is, in my mind, a bit of I'd say I'd, I'm split on this topic, and, and let me say this. 
racism exists. It will always exist as long as there are individuals who feel like they have to put other people down in order to make themselves superior. Quite honestly, I think it's human nature. Even within one's own race, you know that there is always a level of class, a a level of I'm better than this person because I might be lighter skinned than this other person. There's always going to be some element of that, as long as there are people in the world. When Megan came on the scene, and quite frankly, you know, when you look at her, the thought is, I mean, she could be whiter than normal white people. <laughs> being that she's biracial, her father was white, her mom is black. That history of just being a, a percentage of black, it doesn't matter. Someone said, and I can't quote the individual specifically, but someone once said, if you've got like 1% black, you're just black. And, you, and that's all there is to it. So I do think that the racism element and the racist element that arose because of Megan's introduction into the royal family should not have been a surprise. And I think also that it was quite unfortunate that given how diverse the UK is, the Commonwealth countries are, that there wasn't a better approach to how to really leverage the power that she brought from a representation perspective to really carry out the agenda of the royal family. And I won't get into, you know, all the challenges and the hiccups and the things that have transpired when Meghan and Harry were in the UK because there's just too much to cover. But what I will say is that it is disappointing that she wasn't more protected when she was in that very challenging environment. And I think Harry attempted by releasing a statement really early on in their relationship related to the racist comments and things that were coming up was related to Megan. But having the power of the royal family behind that would have really, in my opinion, reduced the animosity that we saw coming from the media and coming from very specific individuals who were targeting her because of her background and where she came from. So that's all I'm going to say about that. What I wanted to highlight in this first podcast series over the next few minutes was just the plethora of holiday gifts that we received from Megan and Harry. And it's been amazing that they have been able to turn out so much content in a fairly condensed period of time. And the Harry and Megan documentary series that was released in early December 2022 was an interesting six-part series that was focused on their love story and really some of the challenges and the hurdles that they overcame during that struggle. And I say overcame, and I'll use that term loosely because it's something that they're still dealing with now. And what I loved about it is that we got to see a different side of them that the media didn't produce on their behalf. A lot of pictures, videos, and notes that they shared between one another that really gave us insight on their love and how it evolved over time. So my my general impression of that documentary was that it was just an amazing love story. The other aspect of that documentary was that the 
relationship between the press and the royal family is something that really makes you raise an eyebrow. You're thinking and really absorbing the structure that's in place. You know, each royal family has a communications office. They seem to coordinate with one another. But then there's also this impression that if potentially there's negative news coming out, that they would quickly snitch on one another, for lack of a better word, to cover up the negative news that might be coming out of the family that they're responsible for protecting and uh, shielding. So Harry explained that really well in the documentary series as far as how that structure is set up and how unfortunate it is that the upside is that the royal family has this kind of instant access to media and press that allows them to get light shed on the things they care about, which is their patronages, their charities, the things that they support. And that's certainly a positive. But on the flip side of it, this also has an undercurrent foundation of where negative stories could be leaked that are not favorable to certain members of the royal family. And that approach is used constantly in order to protect certain members of the royal family. So you can certainly speculate on what that really means and what that relationship looks like. But I think what's fascinating is that during the time that Megan was in the UK, and even after she left, there was a very high volume of negative stories related to her. And there was no, in her own words, there was really no opportunity for her to comment or set the record straight because the motto informally of the royal family is never complain, never explain. So I find that also just very fascinating. So I think the other aspect of that is that given the high volume of negative stories and According to the documentary, Harry said that they had also been receiving death threats. There were suspicious packages coming to the royal household with their names on it. Given all of that, the assumption would be that at some point, the royal family would weigh in and maybe release a statement. But that never happened. And it's quite interesting because if you look at other examples of where the royal family or someone from the royal family released a statement, it kind of makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit. Uh, There was a certain statement that was released by Prince William over the last year or so related to some negative racist comments that were being directed towards a black footballer on one of the soccer teams in the UK. And Prince William basically came out and says, we don't condone, you know, racist comments. Um, It's not appropriate, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was really interesting because he made a statement about that particular individual, but given all the racist comments in the news stories that were put out there for Meghan, he never released a story. Prince Charles never released a story. Now King Charles. The Queen never released any type of statement. So it really begs the question, who are you trying to protect at this point? I think the silence of the royal family throughout this entire ordeal, right, wrong, or indifferent, is very deafening. 
And, you know, we learned in many aspects during the George Floyd murder a few years ago that if we don't say anything, that's a sign of agreement. And I think the silence from the royal family spoke volumes. One other takeaway I had from the documentary, and we could get into so many different things, but I just want to focus on just the, the highlights, is how incredibly strong Harry and Meghan are. If you really kind of take a step back, whether you agree or disagree with their decision to step down from their royal duties, Harry leaving the UK took a lot of strength. He was leaving the home that he's known his entire life. He was leaving friends behind. He was leaving tradition behind. He was leaving his own protection behind when security was pulled from them when they moved to Canada briefly. So you can imagine that he was doing things that he had never done in his entire life without the support of his family. And that takes a lot of moxie to be able to do that without really knowing what the future will hold or what your destination may be. Megan, on the other side, lost so much, even up until she was married with her father going through the scandal. She lost her relationship with her father. And for what? That could be a whole podcast episode on its own. She had to restrict her interaction with her friends due to requirements and asks made from the royal family. There was quite a bit that she had to isolate herself from. They both lost a child during this process. Megan had a miscarriage due to the stress of what they were dealing with. And if you can imagine what might be in Harry's mind, he indicated that he blamed the media for the stress that they put Megan under. So if you really think about that, he lost a mother and a child to the media. And again, I would say, for what? The media is out there to get as much clickbait, to get as much attention as they can in order to sell ads, <laughs> attain more subscribers and users. At the end of the day, it's all about money. And it's really sad that the two of them endured such significant challenges. And at the same time, even though they've seemed to have found their freedom, they're still, in my mind, most likely mourning the loss that they experienced as well. So it was a very powerful documentary. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to take some time to watch it because I do think it's very eye-opening. Now, given that it's the 5th of January, there is some very spicy things coming up in the next few days. Harry's book called Spare is set to release on Monday and Tuesday of next week, I believe on the 10th. 
It's already been released in Spain. There was a leaking that happened yesterday where the news got a hold of the different aspects and chapters of the book, and they've already started posting things on social media. I'm glancing at the headlines, but I also want to wait to read it myself to form my own opinions. But it does seem like Harry is uh, spilling some royalty on uh, certain aspects of his life that will be very intriguing, I know, to many of us. He's also planning to... um, speak to Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes, and this will be released on Sunday. He's also speaking to Michael Strahan on Monday on Good Morning America. And then he's got a couple of appearances on ITV and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. So he is making the rounds on his book, and I'm sure sharing additional more insight into his own experiences. I find it interesting, and I I just said this to my friend earlier today, I heard this from a broadcaster a couple of days ago who essentially said, in response to someone who was exasperated that Harry and Meghan have been just disclosing all this information and didn't they want their privacy and we don't understand why they're just airing all this dirty laundry. I find that fascinating. And the broadcaster said, look, history defines us by what's been written and commentated on and historically documented. And up until this point, all we know about what's happened with Harry and Meghan is what the news and the press have told us. Outside of the Oprah interview that Harry and Meghan facilitated a couple years ago, really all we know is what the press has told us. And certainly, The royal family hasn't said anything. So this is truly the opportunity for Harry and Meghan to set the record straight and to really provide context to some of the decisions they made and some of the struggles and the challenges that they've been going through. And I respect that. Now, if I were in their shoes, would I do the exact same thing? I don't know. I'm not one to air a lot of laundry or tell a lot of secrets. But I do know that in their mind, if they feel like that communicating this information or sharing their story will not only set the record straight, but perhaps help others, then I understand why they're doing it. And it's certainly their prerogative to take ownership of their own narrative and control the story. I certainly would rather share my own story and make sure that it's accurate than allowing someone who doesn't even know me, who I've never spoken to, opine on that journey on their own. So with that said, you know, I respect what they're doing. So we're coming to the end of my podcast and I'm happy (laughs) that I was able to do this. And of course, speak a little bit about Harry and Meghan and the royal family, as it's something that, again, I constantly find fascinating, and I'm sure I'll talk about it again. But what I would say is, based on what I've observed and what I've heard and experienced, my takeaway from their story is that you really have to find your own path, that you can't let others dictate what's important to you and what you should be or how you should show up. And you have to listen to your own mind and your own convictions. 
Now I'm a God-fearing woman, so I pray and I ask God for direction and for wisdom. But it's also good to get sound advice from others, obviously. But at the end of the day, you really have to be thoughtful around what is it that I want to accomplish? What impact do I want to make in the world? And what's the best way to do that and follow that path? So I appreciate your time today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about what's on my mind. As we discuss whatever I watch. This is Tanya signing off. Until next time.